does it look like for you? What does it look like for you to belong? And what does it look like for you to be a part of the church that Jesus said that he started and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? What does that look like? And I've been reading out of Hebrews, and obviously this is a really good verse to, uh, to consider when you're talking about uh, this idea of community within the church. And so I want to read this to you, Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24, and just going to read two verses for you. We're going to pick them all apart and uh, see what God has for us. You there? Oh, two of you are. I'll read the rest. All right. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. A little shade they wrote uh, threw out there. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day going near. Let's pray. God, I, I'm so grateful for your grace, so grateful for uh, just your sovereign hand, Lord, and, and how you are above all things. Nothing is above you. Nothing lords over you. You are the Lord over all. And I would be dumb if I wouldn't pray for our country now, speaking of you being Lord of all, despite uh, where some of those land, I, I thank you, God, that we are a part of the kingdom of God, not merely just a political system made by men. So God, we lift up our country, we lift up our, our, our state and our, our city, our community to you, God, and we, we do ask that you Pour your spirit, your grace, and, and whatever happens on Tuesday or whenever, we rest in knowing that you are our sovereign king, and nothing will change that. And I will, Lord willing, wake up on Wednesday, and I'll still be a part of the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I thank you, Lord. got to admit, this is kind of the uh, do I have to sermon when you're talking about uh, church. Uh, what I mean by that is that, you know, it's it's a hard message, especially given the times that we're in. Other countries are going back into lockdown mode and um, pending an election. It could happen into uh, for us. Uh, and some of people are still kind of in that mode in, in our community that they're not getting out. So it's kind of like you got to preach about community because that is a huge part about church, but you also kind of have to do it in a way that's biblical, but also in a way that's uh, sensitive to some of the people uh, who are still watching us online. And so uh, there is, try to do nothing that's going to be offensive, but if it comes out offensive, please know my heart uh, this morning. And so I say that, like, do I have to? I say that, and that kind of reminds me of, of my children, like when I... Um, ask them to do something they may not say it verbally do I have to but you can tell by their response um, in, in how they don't move as fast as I want to they're thinking well do I have to you know I go tell them go clean your room they don't move what they're saying is no I don't want to why do I have to do this I'm gonna make it dirty again if I tell them to, to do whatever I mean parents I don't know if y'all got that same problem if not then can we swap uh, children <laughs> 
just for a few more weeks. Um, and, and so I think that that do I have to mentality also plays itself out in um, this idea of do I really have to get involved and belong to a community of believers? I mean, we want to say that, yeah, I want to do that. But when it really comes to it, because when you start to peel back the layers and see what all that involves, you, you, you step back and say, eh, I don't know if I want to do this. Because, because the reason why some of us don't want to do this is, I, I don't know, just some of us maybe just lazy. We don't want to put the time that it requires uh, from us to get involved into the daily mundane parts of people's lives. The other aspect of the reason why we don't want to do this, this, this community of believers, is because some of us are scared of what it might reveal. Some of us are just wanting to live this pretentious life, like on the outside, like you got it all together, like you, every single one of your Facebook posts says. Live this pretentious life, everything's fine. It's fine! It's fine! The world's burning up in flames, but it's fine! how we live our lives. That's my one scream out of five that I get today. <laughs> but we realize also that the Bible doesn't just save us individually, that indeed it does, but it saves us into a community believers, and if you were to look at almost all of the promises of God, you would find that, or even, let's look at all the letters that were written, and all the words that were said, most likely, especially in the New Testament, weren't just for one single individual, they were for what? A group, a church, a body. So we have to view through the lens of, this isn't about you and just you alone, this is about a group of people that God has called you into. This is a community. This is the church that God has called us into. And, and, and I want to just kind of pick apart some of this. And I don't know if you feel like um, it's 400 degrees in here. So if I pass out, I'm just really hot. It's okay. Just move on. All right. Anyway, um, I may take off the jacket, but I don't want to, anyway, uh, lead into something else. Okay. Um, Mentally, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, let me get back to the scripture. And let us, look what he says here, because this is, this is great. Let us consider, notice that word, let us consider how to stir one another. What does it look like then to be a part in a community, be, belong to a church in community? Let me, let me look at this word, consider, because when the writer says consider he's alluding to that our minds are fixed on one another that's what he's saying when he says consider and he gives you this this what this looks like he's talking about consider fix your minds on one another now there are about 100 one another's in scripture think about that and what I mean by that, one another is like, when the Bible says, it's a command that says, love one another, serve one another, don't get all in a tizzy with each other. Uh, that's, that's Matthew's translation of one of them, don't grumble, right? 
don't grumble with one another, accept one another, love, forgive one another, and on and on I could go. And, and the really weird one is uh, greet one another with a kiss. But since COVID's here, thank God we don't have to do that. Um, and, so, and so that's what this idea is, love one another. It's the idea of one another. And here is the writer here. Some think it's Paul, others think it's other people, that he says here, consider one another. And if our minds are fixed on one another, we are also to be looking out for one another. Paul writes in Romans 12, when my mind went to Romans 12, when he talks about this idea of community, uh, when he's addressing the church of Rome, he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, uh, love what is good, or let love be genuine, and hate what is evil. And so he's talking about this idea of when you are in community, you let love be genuine and hate what is evil because genuine love is going to hate what is evil in other people around you so here's what you're called into when you are to consider one another you are to be a voice of truth to those people who are around you and i think and that's also with grace i must add that because you don't want to be that turd that's always calling out people's sin <laughs> you are to call out Truth with grace. And we'll, we'll look at that in just a second. So what does that mean to let love be genuine and hate what is evil? Is that we just raise flags when they need to be raised in other people's lives. I think one of the most shallow kinds of love that you can offer someone. I, I don't know. I've, I've said this about a billion times. One of the most shallow types of love that you can offer someone is to never raise a flag when they're on like an incoming path of a disaster, you never say anything. That's shallow love. It'd be like, I, like if my kids are out playing in the road, I don't never tell my kids to play on the road, although sometimes I think about it. But sometimes, if not sometimes, they don't play it on the road. But if they're out there playing in the road and I see a transfer truck, how, how stupid would it be? Like, man, I really hope that works out for Jude. We'll see. How many of us do that? Hopefully not with your kid, but how many of us do that with each other when it comes to relationships? When you see a missile aimed right at your brother or sister in Christ, whether that be a sin, whether that be a bad relationship that they're about to get into, how many of us, we just don't even say anything about it. And we do the church, the Christian thing, and we say, you know what, we're just going to take it to the Lord in prayer. We just pray about it. That is a damaging, shallow love. What is, he, what is he saying here? To stir one another to love and to good works. I love, I, I love this one. Another translation would say to, um, to provoke. That's kind of like my favorite thing to do. Um... <laughs> I love provoking people. That's not that bad. It, it is. It actually is bad. It's, I love to do it in an unhealthy kind of way. And I specifically love to do it to my children. I think, I may be wrong, we'll find out in the next five to ten years, I think that when you provoke your children, it just grows them into stronger individuals. <laughs> I'll let you know how it works out. If my children are in therapy in ten years from now, why? 
I just love to provoke people in a very unhealthy kind of way. <laughs> That's not the type of provoking that the writer here is talking about. But how can we provoke someone? How can we, how can we stir one another? The writer here is talking about provoke others towards what? Good works. Towards, towards love. Yeah. Towards not forsaking the gathering of believers. So you're stirring them. You're getting in their heads. And you're, you're constantly encouraging them. This word provoke, it does mean to stir, as in the ESV translation says, or to arouse their emotions. That's how the NASB translation gives it. To arouse them, to encourage them. Like, like we have a responsibility in this church to encourage each other, to stir one another towards doing good works. Look what he says that you're not supposed to be stirring them or provoking them towards. Hatred. Fear, all the bad stuff out there, all the stuff you see on social media. You're supposed to be stirring them towards doing things that are centered around Christ, that are Christ-centered things. That's what we're supposed to be okay. stirring. And we're doing this again in grace and truth. Let me get back to that idea that I was talking about. That idea is... It's, it's grace and truth. It's not 50-50. Right? This is, this is the model Jesus gives us. You know, John was reading in John chapter 1, and, and, and Jesus is described as being filled with grace and truth. It, we get this with, with how he interacts with every single individual uh, following after that. You, you see this in how he interacts with, with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is probing Jesus, trying to get Jesus to say something that would make him feel better about his lifestyle. But Jesus keeps going back at him with grace and truth. And in the next chapter, you still see Jesus doing this with the woman at the well. Jesus doesn't, like, just forget about the fact that the woman at the well has been with five bros, man. No, he calls her on it. But he just doesn't leave her with that truth. He brings grace, and he says, woman, you've been drawing from a well that's filled with sand. I can give you a well that's filled with water that will satisfy you. That's, that's the grace. Truth shows you for who you really are. And grace shows you for who Christ has for you what he is making you into that's how we do this we have a lot of um a lot of the truth being spoken without grace you know what this is i think i said this a few weeks ago that's called a bully and nobody wants to be around you you may think so because you think you're feeling all bold behind your keyboard or you know thumbing your way through something on social media like, you're feeling good about it, too. You're going to call this joker who they really are. Nobody likes you. There, I said it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Jesus. I don't know. Let's see. Look what else he says here. 
the comment section of Matthew is just going to get better and better because I don't have so much time with you and so it's just going to be like an unfiltered thing it's like <laughs> diarrhea of the mouth hundred times what I normally do all right let me keep going so what does he say here he says so not neglecting to gather together <laughs> and then like the writer just going to throw a little shade on it like some of them other people do community means that we commit to each other I have to overstate this because it just needs to be overstated God did not design you to be the lone ranger Tonto alright I'll give you Tonto <laughs> but that's it he didn't design you should have used a better illustration that's my bad thank you Willie. <laughs> He didn't design you to be um, the guy that was stuck on the island and had the ball. What was that? Yeah, that one. Um, he, didn't, he didn't design you for that. Let me reel this back in. That's not how God intended you. You are not Jeremiah. All right? You know Jeremiah in the Bible? He did it alone. Some of you feel, well, I can be Jeremiah. You want to be Jeremiah? Get, get the mess beat out of you, get your butt kicked and end up in a ditch. Go ahead and be alone. Let's see how it works out for you. You're not John the Baptist. Well, you want your head on a silver platter? Then go. God didn't design you to be that way. Those are rare instances. God designed you to be a part of the community. We are one together and we have been called to be in relationship with others it's just ultimately unacceptable biblically to not be in communion with one another let me keep going now i've always thought this verse was weird after he says don't neglect but here's one of those one another but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near Here's what I think is happening here, right? That community, this, this, this gathering here is just a shadow of what is to come. I don't think that the writer here is implying that the day is like this day of judgment. Because most likely when you would see like judgment, you would see something like the great day of the Lord as some of the prophets would say. So I don't think it's judgment. I don't even think it may be the impending doom and fall of Jerusalem that just happens a few years after the time the writer writes this in 70 AD. Could be. I don't think it is. It also could be just the Lord's day. It's approaching. It's here. It's always here. It's, it's what we do here on Sundays. There's a reference to 1 Thessalonians. You just write this down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, when it also uses this same word, gathering or assembly. But 1 Thessalonians uses this same word, gathering, assembly, in the context of a picture of the saints being eternally gathered together with Jesus. I lean more towards that. 
that this approaching day of the Lord that's coming, that what we're doing here is just a shadow of what's to come there in eternity with Jesus, where there is no more suffering, where there is no more pain, where, where at one point the kingdom of God will be fully consummated and we will be with him forever on this new earth and all things will be restored that I will have the fully restored body that God intended me to have that's amazing that that perfected shalom that was broken and crushed in the garden of Eden back in Genesis chapter 3 will finally be restored so as we are here encouraging, stirring one another, we have this idea that what we're doing here is very, very small in the grand scheme of things, and it's just a shadow of the reality of the thing that is to come, the consummation of the kingdom, where you and I will be gathered with all saints of all times together with our King Jesus. And here's what we have to do. We have to come to the idea, to the reality of that we're not okay with how things are right now. Like I said, this is kind of one of those, do I have to? Because I understand some people just don't feel comfortable coming back yet, and that's okay. I'm not talking to you yet. But those of us who are here, even in an element, it does apply to those who are still watching online. That we can't be just okay with how things are now because there are still others out there who need a community of believers people realize that that is the incredible source that the church has but a lot of us just won't tap into it I don't recommend you listening to Joe Rogan but I listen to Joe Rogan sometimes and um, he had Kanye on and I had to listen to that one right <laughs> Joe Rogan not a believer said isn't the church where people find this common community to each other? He doesn't even know. He just assumes that's what the church is supposed to do. Some of us don't even get that. Joe Rogan does. An unbeliever. Some of us, we don't even get it. I'm asking you to get it. There are people who are wandering in our community who are lost, who need this let me get, like, real down with you. You need this. You know, I announced a few weeks ago that we were leaving to go plant a church in Utah, and that's going to happen soon um, in the next... Uh, you're a lot quicker than I am right there, Willie at the end of the month, or the beginning of next month, um, sometime around that time. I won't be here to yell and, and tell you how important this is. We've got to get it now. And this is why it's so important to understand this. That this church is built on a group of people, not on an individual. I think the maturity 
and the strength of this church will be on display come December and January and into February and March. I mean, I mean the, the, the strength and the maturity level of the church has already been on display. I mean, every single person has come to me, yes, with sadness, but they get it. Y'all, that shows an incredible level of maturity, spiritual maturity that most churches, they just don't get. Because they think that they own the pastor, he's their bellhop. I've been telling y'all for years, you don't own me. But we get it. It's the gospel because we get the gospel. We get that God is doing something that's far greater than any of us can see. We get it. And I think that the strength and the maturity is going to be even more on display in the next few months and how you respond. You're going to have to have patience. But more so than that, you're going to have to have each other's back. You're going to have to stir one another. Keep coming. Keep plugging in. Keep belonging. That's going to be on you. I want to just pray over us this morning and they're going to sing a hymn. And man, I, I, I want to encourage you that that's, there are, oh Lord. All right, well, apparently I only have one month to live, so. Um, <laughs> I might get the anointing oil for Willie. Um, yeah, let's let's pray and